morning. Isn't it good to be here? Amen. It is good to be here. I'm glad that you are here. You have chosen to be in the Lord's house this morning. If you're able to watch, hello, good morning. We're glad that you are here with us in some way. We're glad that we have that capability. So, um, the uh, meeting tonight, 6 o'clock. Be here if you can. Um, if you have not yet purchased an item, boogers, they're on the counter. Um, if you've not yet purchased an item for our shoe boxes, then the item for the month of May is anything colorful, so rainbow. Um, if it's markers, colored pencils, crayons, coloring books, anything like that, uh, please do purchase those and actually bring them. Bless my heart, I bought mine yesterday and forgot to bring them. But but make sure you do that. Uh, donate some money if you don't have time to go anywhere, or uh, bring a shoebox if you don't have any money. So we do want you to participate in that. We always have a good turnout with our with our shoeboxes, and we're thankful for that. So uh, next, let's see, three weeks? Is it three weeks? Three weeks from now is homecoming, y'all. It is quickly upon us. So please make sure that you are here for homecoming. If you're watching right now or you know later on, you're not watching us live, but you're you're watching days from now. June 5th is the homecoming for the Cornelius Church of God. We want you to be here and bring some food with you. If you if you can't make food, that's okay. There's going to be plenty, I'm sure. But uh, brother um brother Chuck Davis will be preaching for us. He was here uh, last last year y'all saw him y'all know him so he'll be here we're gonna have some some singing and some different things going on so please make sure that you are here make those plans um, also for the um, for Father's Day we would like to have for well I was gonna say for the men but the ladies can eat too we want to have a, a men's uh, we're going to have a men's prayer breakfast. It's not going to be inside the church. We're going to be over in the fellowship hall, uh, fellowshipping together, having breakfast 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, um, June 19th. So be here. If you, have a, if you have a child, bring them with you. If you know any men who wouldn't normally come to a Sunday morning service, be, uh, invite them because this is a great opportunity. We are going to have devotion time. We are going to have some uh, some prayer time. So it will be... We're going to be doing churchy stuff, but we're also going to have some breakfast along with that. So, uh, be and, and again, not it, the men are not the only ones who get to eat. The ladies get to eat as well. But, but we do want to, uh, to really celebrate the, the men in our church, the men in our lives. So make plans for that. Any other things, we will let you know. Um, so... Ah, and you should have said, you should have known, though. You should have known. So this morning, we're on our way to church, and Shane's looking around, and we're, we drove his truck this morning. And he's looking around in his truck. He's like, I got to clean this thing up. It's nasty. I got to clean the outside, and I got to get the inside. I got to empty all this stuff out. He has a meeting on a meeting in Gastonia on, on Tuesday, and people are probably going to ride with him. Uh, and he's like, I got I to gotta take care of this. And I kind of laughed, and I said, I seem to recall about a year ago that this you got this brand-new truck, and every day, no, no lie, y'all, every single day, he was out there wiping it. And he would, if, if it got a little dirt on it, he would, he would clean it off, 
and and there he would take all this to every every day when he got home from work he would take all this stuff out of the truck and bring it into the garage and you know because nothing was going to pile up in that truck and and a year later that that truck looks on the inside about like the the truck before it and i said to him the thing is unless your heart changes Unless your heart changes, you're just going to keep going back to the same thing. Because I, I, I believe that people can change, but only by the power of the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit within them. So unless the Lord changes us, we will continue to go back to that same old thing, to what's comfortable. We may make a, a New Year's resolution. We may make a, a mid-year change, but we say, oh, I, I can do this. I'm going to go on a diet, or I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to do this or this or this. But, but until our heart changes, we will continue to be the people that we were. We'll go back to the comfortable. So I encourage you this morning, be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to have his will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your blessings, your grace. Every good and perfect gift that we have, we know comes from you. Father, I thank you and I praise you that you can change us. God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you come inside and that all things become new. God, that we are a new creation because of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And I, I just pray that that new creation would take over each of our lives today. If there is someone here who has not received you as their Savior, or who has been going a long time without receiving that power of the change of the Holy Spirit. I pray a change this morning. God, for those watching, that you would just work and move in them today, that they would feel your touch and your power and your presence. For those who have come in who are hurting or burdened or struggling with any kind of thing, God, I just pray relief today according to your will. I pray that everything that is done today from the very first prayer to the very last prayer would lift you up and give you glory and honor and praise. God, we thank you you we praise you in jesus precious name amen thank you jesus thank you lord
upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength arises, we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord our God. I believe it. I believe. 
done. Oh, I believe you're more than enough for me.
There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Yes, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. Break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. You're the all sufficient sacrifice, so freely given. Such a price bought our redemption. Heaven's gates swing wide. Cause there is power in the name of Jesus. Yes, there is power in the name of Jesus. Yes, there is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. And there's an army rising up. There's an army rising up. There's an Break every chain because there is power in the name of Jesus. Yes, there is power in the name of Jesus. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. And there's an army rising up. There's an army Yes, there is power 
testimony or worship serious question brother Mike Hager may be able to answer this question why are women's pocketbooks so heavy <clears throat> praise God this is praise time and I want to tell you I praise the Lord this morning for a challenge. Do you like a good challenge? Those of you watching at home, do you like a good challenge? We're still dim-lighted in the church for the second week in a row because the projector has not yet arrived. It's in the mail <laughs> Have you ever heard that? It's in the mail. It is scheduled now for Tuesday. It carries with it a price tag of $1,800. Oh, oh, oh. I, I was thinking 12 or something like that, but things are up. I'll tell you, everything seems to be up. I don't know how the truckers are going to get by with gas at five and a half to six gal dollars a gallon and five miles to the gallon on their trucks. It's awful. Pray for them when you pray. But the challenge is someone has given a $100 bill and 18 of them will cover the charge. Somebody has challenged you and me to give a hundred dollars to help in the cost of this. The challenge has been spoken of and one early even Wednesday night was saying I'll accept the challenge. Heard someone today say don't have cash or check book write a check but I will use my card to meet the challenge. Praise God. We need, okay, that's three, so we need 15, is my math pretty good? Need 15 more? If three is, okay. Hallelujah. If you're watching at home, we challenge you. Get the card out, and you may already know how to do that, or if you don't know how, call Jeff. He'll let you know. Praise God. Jeff is smart that way. Thank you for your help with this challenge and with taking care of the projector and the price. 
So that is a good reason to praise the Lord for a good challenge, isn't it? And I praise the Lord for breath that I breathe right now. I understand by God's word that he holds it in his hand, that breath. I feel like singing that uh, that song that with all my breath, we're going to give it to the Lord. We're going to praise the Lord with that breath that he gives us. Thank you, Lord. So I have breath. I have life. I have what's left of my hair that my wife didn't cut out. But isn't it amazing that with all the shortcomings of cancer that I'll have a few more strands of hair than I had before? I praise the Lord for that. Don't you, Brother Mike? Praise the Lord for strength. Praise the Lord for all. Isn't it wonderful to praise God for everything? Oh, there's a writer in the Bible that says, in all things, give thanks. And then another wrote, for all things, give thanks. Oh, we, we look at the negative, don't we? rather than looking at the positive that God's going to bring us through. Praise the Lord. I heard one preacher this morning say to encourage everybody, to bless everybody, because everybody has trouble. Wow! I hadn't looked at it that way. So encourage everybody. Be an encourager. The Lord is good, and I thank God for saving me from a devil's hell, for cleaning me up through sanctification that he suffered without the gate for, uh, and that he baptized me with that stuff that they talk about uh, in two uh, uh, of Acts, the pouring out of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Spirit, if you want to call it that, with the evidence with speaking in other tongues, how great is our God. He's healed, he's blessed, he's delivered. Anybody else feel the same way I do? You brag on the Lord. Yes, sister. Okay, go ahead, you're up. Glory! Glory! <laughs> All right, now, sister, there you go. Bless his name. Thank you, Father. Oh, my, yes.
snow go? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Yes, amen. He's good. We will never know the good and the blessings and those that have been touched by what you're saying here, sister. Amen. We don't know, but God does, and He has a reason for it, doesn't He? Hallelujah. Praise God. It, maybe another that would, you, you, you'd like to praise the Lord? It's you. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Oh, yes. Wow. Okay. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes. Bless the Lord. Amen. We thank God, don't we? Amen. God. Well, I feel like David must have felt when he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse 3, he said, Oh, magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name together. Praise God. I believe all of us could exalt Him with some glorified praise and hand clapping. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
never thought that the world is kind of lost its way. Yeah, crazy as it seems, yeah, I know it's gonna be okay. Okay, it doesn't scare me, it's temporary. There's something better we got forever. Keep your head up Jesus is coming back Jesus is coming back No, don't you give up Good morning, it's good to see all of you And just so you know, my truck is not that bad There's some things in it, but it's, it's important stuff I just... Yes, I need to get a new one. <laughs> get back into my habit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got to be careful what I say, or I let Jennifer know that's off limits or something. Cause she she remembers everything. All right, it's time it's time now for a prayer request this morning. Sister, sister, I'm sorry, brother Mike. Let's pray for brother Mike's family. Sister Rhonda. Clayton and Chad, and continue prayer for Casey. I'll pray for her as she continues on the path she's on. Sister Sugar. Sugar's girls, Jackson, and pray for her sister. Sister Judy. Pray for Sister Judy's children and grandchildren. Anyone else? Sister, join his name James let's pray for James and Treva's husband anyone else yes sir
Yes, sir. Pray for Jason and his procedure. Hope all goes well. Anyone else? If not, raised hands for unspoken requests. We take these to the Lord.
Vic's wife. I heard you mention her this morning, Lord. Say she's not doing so well. We pray that she gets to feeling better. Pray for Brother Vic. All right. It's time to fellowship.
already put it up all right <laughs> uh-oh hope y'all can see <laughs> oh I, we couldn't tell because the projector was too dark I don't, I don't even know what it is <clears throat> so yeah um <laughs> i don't know maybe today wasn't the day to preach this <laughs> no i'm sorry that was just a joke but um but no it's um Y'all may not, y'all may not like me. I hope y'all love me. That's fine. If y'all don't like me, I'm totally okay with that. Um, yeah. After today, bless us. So as we move closer to purpose, we recall the necessity of knowing our identity in Christ. Last week we talked about this. If you were not able to watch, please go back and watch. And last week we we were told to remember who we are. Because my identity must be wrapped up in who God is calling me to be. God has a purpose for my life. If I'm, if I'm breathing, if there is breath in my lungs, if I'm above the ground, then God has a purpose for my life. And I may not know what it is. I may not have discovered it. Except that we know what God says, that we are to be salt and light in the, in the world, that we are to uh, be witnesses to those in, in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world these this is a purpose so if you don't yet know exactly where you fit on the body of Christ at least begin to be salt and light at least begin to be a witness because that is our purpose to to know God and to make him known so we, re we remember who we are and then we remember whose we are because Yahweh has my name written on the palm of his hand. He, 
He knows me. Uh, at the, the song that Jeff played while we were praying was, He Knows My Name. And more than him knowing my need, he knows my name. He knows me. I don't just have to throw at him all my issues and hope, fingers crossed, that he'll take care of them, but he knows my name. He knows me personally and cares about the things that I care about. That is whose I am. So as we forge ahead, we address an issue that most of us have, but few of us want to admit, and that is immaturity. Oh, golly, Lord, help me. Immaturity, as defined by Webster, is not fully developed, lacking complete growth, having or showing an emotional or intellectual development appropriate to someone younger. Often we point at someone else, able to identify them as immature. You're being immature right now. Oh, yeah. Five years old? Yeah. You're being, you're being five? You're being immature right now? But, see, that may prove the point when we turn the attention to someone else. Oh, golly. No matter your age, you can be subject to immaturity because our growth is often incomplete. There are plenty of people who have been in church their entire lives and they're still immature because with, with physical growth, that's a natural occurrence. But with spiritual growth, we have to take the time to grow. We have to take the steps to grow. So taking a look today, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus. Uh, Ephesus was an important city, uh, a hub for Paul's ministry, and later a headquarters for John the Beloved. Uh, John was kind of like the, the state overseer of Ephesus. So as we were... As we see this, we understand this is a very important place, but also it was deeply pagan. It was at this point <laughs> that the people began to chant, Great is the goddess Diana, or Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. For hours and hours, they chanted this because they were objecting to Paul's preaching. They were covering up his, his words by chanting, for hours, the same thing over and over and over again. Yet later they accepted the message of Christ. We see that this is the response to their acceptance of Christ, that he's giving them this encouraging letter. But even later, they had to be reminded by John to return to their first love. This is the church that they were referring to in Revelation that had lost their first love. So they went from deeply pagan to following Christ and, and having a church established there to losing their first love. And we see some of the ideas that Paul gives to them as ways that we can grow and accept that love and, and walking in the first love. At this time, when he wrote to them, there were no heresies or church issues that Paul was attempting to combat. He was just trying to help them understand grace and God's purpose for the church. This was one of the prison epistles, meaning that Paul wrote it while he was under house arrest in Rome, possibly in, in prison, but, but having many freedoms while he was there. So 
it is likely that this was a circular letter, meaning it was not just intended for the church of Ephesus, but all the churches around that were to, to pass off this letter to be encouraged and to learn new things that Paul was teaching them, the theology that he was trying to express to them. So this is a message for all believers. So taking a look in Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verses 1 through 6, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, and again, remember, he was. this is a prison epistle, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So the beginning of this chapter is all about love and forgiveness. The end of this chapter, if you read through the whole thing, we, we are not today, but if you read to the very end, it's all about love and forgiveness. So our purpose here is bookended by love and forgiveness. Paul is instructing all believers to walk worthy of the calling or the invitation that we have received from Christ. He said that we are to approach our lives with the fruit of the Spirit. He gives a few of them here. Not the exhaustive list that he gives in Galatians, but he gives some of these things here. He says lowliness, which is modesty and humility. Meekness, which is gentleness. Long-suffering, which is fortitude, patience, or endurance. Forbearing, which means literally in the Greek, putting up with each other. He said, you are to forbear one another in love. You're gonna, you have to put up with each other. You are called within the church to put up with each other. Now, I know none of y'all here has ever been irritated with anyone else, but, but if that ever happens, I just want to go ahead and let you know in advance that you are called by God to put up with one another. We are put in this family for a reason. Now, you, just like you can't choose the family that you were born into, Lord help us all, we are put into the family of Christ. And if you get ir aggravated and irritated with one set of people, I promise you, you can do the same thing elsewhere that, that you're going to get aggravated and irritated with people anywhere you go. So we are told, again, warned in advance, y'all got to do this. Put up with each other and not just tolerating but he says, forbearing one another in love. So when I forbear in love, <clears throat> oh my, when I forbear in love, I don't just, <laughs> I don't just <clears throat> exist in the same room with you. I don't just, fine, if I have to see you, I will. <laughs> I'll shake your hand if I must. But I love them. And this is the word agape. I choose to love. So it's not saying that I'm always going to feel it. 
This is, he's not saying forbear one another in phileo, which is brotherly love, that we just feel for those that we're friends with or those that are part of our family. That's just kind of an automatic love. He's not saying forbear one another in eros, which is a romantic kind of love that I feel for my spouse. He's not, he's not saying just forbear one another if you feel like it. He says choose to put up with each other in love. We should strive for unity. This is oneness and agreement. It's used twice and only here in Ephesians. We have to strive for unity. We have to strive for the bond of peace, which is that joints and ligaments are uniting in principle. Now, this is really interesting. All throughout this chapter, he uses this kind of imagery that the joints and ligaments are put together, and he also uses building imagery. So he is trying to express to us as a church that we all fit together, that each of us has a purpose, that this one must be joined together. Have you ever been out of joint? Yeah. When I was little, my this elbow right here, I don't know why, this elbow right here would always pop out of joint. And numerous times... I mean, I was very, I was younger than Gretchen. Uh, numerous times I had to be taken to the doctor so the doctor could shove it back in. But eventually he just showed mom how to do it. And so she would just write that right back in there. But the thing is, when you're out of joint, you can't really function the way that you should. So when he uses this imagery that we are together, that we are joints working in tandem, he's saying there has to be unity in order for there to be purpose going forth. Though we are different, we all agree that there is one God revealed in three persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We understand that even though we don't agree on everything, that there is one baptism, that there is one body, and that we are all joined together in that one body. He's saying it's okay if you don't agree on everything. That's fine. As long as you understand that there must be unity. So taking a look at verses 7 through 10, it says, But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended... What is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might feel all things. So, here he's saying that grace, the word here is favor. That grace has been given, favor has been given to each person according to the measure of their gift. Now that doesn't sound fair, does it? Huh. Each of us has been gifted and called. Each of us has received grace and favor from the Lord. But the amount of favor we see here, according to Paul, is related to the measure of the gift that we receive. Have you ever known those people that just had favor of the Lord? that just seem like 
everything they touched <laughs> just went well for them. I can show you one person right now. Yeah. That it just seems like everything goes right for that person. And you look at that person, you're like, for goodness sake, how does everything always go right for you? But the favor of the Lord is related to the calling that's on our lives. It is not for our own purpose to receive and accept and, and show off, but it is so that we can extend grace with what we have been given. So God is saying to us, I'm going to give you more grace and more grace and more grace, and you will grow and increase as you're using the gifts that you've been given. Because he said, to one he gave the one talent, to one he gave five, to one he gave the ten. And as it grows, we receive more grace. But at, if we don't use it, if we choose not to use it, then, then God's favor, he took that, that one talent and said, well, let's just give it to this guy over here. We've got to use what we have been given so that the grace of God can abound in our lives. Jesus descended and ascended. When he ascended, he led the enemy away, captive because of his victory over death and hell and the grave. So here Paul is saying that he descended, meaning that he came from heaven down to earth, that, but that also he ascended, taking with him captivity that we no longer have to be bound by the things of the world, that we no longer have to be slaves to sin, but that God has taken those, Jesus has taken those things captive on our behalf. This is a reference to Psalm 68. And in that psalm, it states that, that he received gifts, but the interpretation of that is that he received in order to give out so Jesus received the gifts from the Father. He received all the blessings from the Father in order to give them out to all men. And he gave some gifts. Let's take a look in verses 12 through 16. Excuse me, verses 11 through 16. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So here we see what is known now as the fivefold ministry. It says that he gave to some apostles. An apostle is defined as an ambassador of the gospel. 
and within the idea of the Greek, it is one doing miracles. He gives prophets, defined as a foreteller, one who was moved on by the Spirit of God, who declares what he has received by inspiration. He gave to some evangelists, and those are bringers of good tidings. All people can be included within this branch of the fivefold ministry. An evangelist, a bringer of good tidings, each and every one of us can do that. Pastors, a shepherd or a herdsman, teachers, an instructor or a master. And why are these roles necessary to the body of Christ? Well, we see that they are for the perfecting of the saints, number one. This word is used only once in the New Testament. This word, perfecting. The implication is to repair or adjust. It implies the setting of a bone. Remember, he was referring to the joints, the ligaments being fit together. And he said that when these fivefold ministries are going forth, when everything is working together, one thing that it's going to accomplish is perfecting of the saints. It is putting things in place. <laughs> it is that this part needs to be here, and so we're going to just pop it into place. Perfecting the saints, putting them where they need to be. That, that when this fivefold ministry is taking place, that a person says to themselves, you know what, I can be helpful in this ministry. I can do this. I know that, that God has a purpose for me here, and I'm going to work in this area. And then that, that joint starts to connect to that one. Well, I know that I can work here, and, and I can begin to do this ministry, and I can begin to set forth the gospel in this way. So we see the perfecting. We see the repairing restoring a thing to its proper state of usefulness when ministry is going forth. He says also that it is for the work of ministry. And the immediate purpose of the gift is to serve. The work of the ministry so that it goes forth. For the edifying of the body of Christ... The word edifying here only used twice, and it's it's used here in, in a few other a, a few verses later. Edifying of the body of Christ. This word edifying means architecture, structure, or building something. So ministry going forth lays a foundation and keeps building upon it in order to accomplish perfection. It is not for the fivefold ministers to do everything, but they give the tools so that everyone can work. That not everybody is called to be an apostle. Not everyone is called to be a prophet. But just like we said, everyone can be an evangelist. Every one of us can spread forth the gospel of Christ, can be a bringer of the good news. So as we edify the body of Christ... It is laying a foundation for ministry to be done. Until all arrive 
He says, we are going to keep working at this. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep trying this until all arrive in the unity of faith. And it's the second time that this word is used. And it, again, it means oneness. Until all arrive in the unity of faith, in the oneness of faith, it, that our convictions are the same, that our, we know that our salvation comes only from Christ. Again, we are not all the same. We are not always going to see things eye to eye. But if we agree that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God, that it was only by His blood that we are saved, then we are working together in unity, and we are able to work together in unity. That we all arrive in the knowledge of the Son, this meaning the precise and correct knowledge of Christ that comes from hearing and receiving God's Word and turning into a perfect man, complete in labor, growth, mental, and moral character. That's our goal. Perfection. I, I, I'm a recovering perfectionist, striving for okay. And when I was, and I can be very legalistic, bless my heart. But I remember being young and, and reading, be perfect as I am perfect, and thinking, all right, challenge accepted. <clears throat> and, and striving for perfection. But I didn't understand what it meant. Because perfection to us means one thing, but to God it means maturity. He's saying, grow up because I've grown up. Be perfect as I am perfect. He's not saying that you will always do everything right. Because we are not Jesus. We are not God. We are not the, the perfect one. But he's saying grow up. Be perfect. Be mature. Be complete in who God is calling you to be. And he says that we are to measure up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. Not comparing myself to another, but saying, do I measure up to Jesus? So that we are immature and simple-minded no more. He said that you are no more children. That you are immature and simple-minded no more, being tossed to and fro, fluctuating, and carried about by fraud and craftiness of those whose intent is to deceive Again, this comes through reception and study. If I don't know what the Word says, then I can't know what the truth is. I'm be, I'll be carried away by, oh, well, that sounds good. Well, that, that makes sense to me. Sure, that, that sounds like, oh, I'll follow this. Because that, that person has a lot of followers, so I'll follow them too. But until we understand what the truth of God's Word is, we're going to be constantly following around whatever sounds the best at the time. And he says we must speak the truth in agape. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Notice that there was no object of that sentence. Who grows up? Growth for whom? He says, speaking the truth in love that may grow up. 
who gets to grow up if if the truth is spoken in love the speaker or the hearer the verse does not specify but speaking the truth in love will cause growth in all things growing into the likeness of Christ that we will be fitly framed when all the previously stated steps are in order we have a framework of unity we become united together so that every member is a part of efficient work being done. This makes an increase or a growth of the body. That it is edifying itself. It is architecturally sound. So in what ways do we need to grow? Keep in mind, again, Paul was speaking to those who had little to no experience with church. He was speaking to people who had, up to this point, been worshiping idols. They had gone to the temple whenever they needed to pray for one thing or another, but they did not have an idea of what church should be. So as Paul is giving them these instructions. He's laying out for them a foundation of what the church looks like, what the body of Christ needs to be. He's structuring from the ground up. But I believe that also the Lord wants to cause growth within our lives and within our congregation. This time last year, we were in the middle of a, a series about Nehemiah, about building. Can we build it? Yes, we can. So I don't think that it's a coincidence that a year later, God is talking about building us. That he's talking about how to be fitly joined together in order to be architecturally sound. As we see in this chapter, our purpose must be surrounded by love and forgiveness. Again, all those verses at the very beginning and all the verses at the end are about love and forgiveness. We have to... We have to be surrounded. Our purpose has to be surrounded by love and forgiveness. In this setting, the purpose is spiritual growth of believers, and this leads to growth of the church. So you're telling me that if I'm spiritually mature, there will be growth. <coughs> right. So wait, is my... So... Am I, is immaturity stunting the growth of my church and my ministry? Oh, Lord, help me. So what are the indications of immaturity? Comparison. <sighs> Number one, comparison. We are told here that our goal is knowing Christ to the point that we measure up to the fullness of who he is. <clears throat> that we are able to look at him and say, do I look like him? When I compare myself to others, I miss the point. Immaturity in the area of comparison will manifest itself in one of two ways. It will either manifest its insecurity that looks at another person and says, I will never measure up to who they are. 
looks at another ministry and say, oh, we're never going to be able to do that. Looks at another church and says, oh, there's no way we can have all they have going on. And, and we look at ourselves, oh, there's no way I can ever be good enough to be like them, to be like this. But that's immature to compare myself to someone else when my, when my purpose is to measure up to Christ. It'll manifest itself that way, but also the second way is pride. Immaturity will manifest itself in pride, which says, well, at least I'm doing better than they are. Well, at least I don't do that. I may not be perfect, but I'm not doing what they're doing. Well, that's not the point. Are you doing what Christ is doing? So it's immature for me to compare myself to anyone other than Christ because when I stand before God on that final judgment day, he's not going to say, well, let's see here. Okay, yes, uh, well, you were slightly better than this person, but a little lower than, the, than here. So, okay, your reward is going to be this, but not this. That, that's not it at all. So I have to grow up. If I'm trying to compare my spirituality, if I'm trying to compare my walk with Christ with someone else's, either in a, in a prideful way or in an insecure way, I have to grow up if I'm looking at another, uh, another church, another ministry saying, well, they believe all sorts of crazy mess. That's why they're growing so much. They're allowing all sorts of stuff going on in there. I, I can't do that because am I following the purpose that Christ has laid out for me? That's the only way that I can measure up, and I have to grow up if I'm going to be able to accomplish anything. How do I learn to be more like him? The second thing that we see is being deceived. That's another sign of immaturity, being deceived. Here, we are told that the simple-minded are tossed to and fro. That they're carried about by anything new that sounds pleasing at the time. Well, this is, this is new. We're going to follow this. This sounds good. I will go here. We'll do this. I tried this, but it didn't satisfy, so I'm going to run after this. Well, this is what everything, this is what everyone else thinks now, so that must be true. I feel confused about what's true, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Whatever everyone else, get, I'll just go with the flow. And there's no standard. And there's no reality. I'm, I'm constantly being deceived because there's always going to be some new thing coming up, something that sounds good at the time, my, my itching ears. But there's only one way to keep from being deceived, and that is to know the Word. Because it tells us that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. The Bible says, you're, you're not ignorant. You know how he's going to attack you. 
You know that he is going to attack you for sure. He's a he's a, a roaming lion seeking whom he may devour. He's, he's roaming around. He's roaring, trying to scare us, trying to worry us. You know that. Plus, you know the places that you're weak. And he does too. So when you're being attacked in these areas, you know, oh, the enemy's trying to attack me. Maybe I shouldn't give in. So when I'm, when I'm being deceived, when I'm deceiving myself, oh, I can handle this. It's fine. It's not that big a deal. Then I'm being immature. We must be careful of the spiritual. What? We must be careful of the spiritual. Because not all things that are spiritual are godly. That wasn't me, that's Dr. Dean, but it's, it's good anyway. Yeah. Not all things that are spiritual are godly. Because the, the, the horoscope is spiritual, or these, you know, these crystals, bless it, why did, like, ooh, crystals, yeah, this will give me energy, and this will give me peace and calm, and oh, that reminds me of, a, of an idol that was carved back in the New Te uh, Old Testament, interesting. And, and, you know, we're seeing these things happen, and, we, and, and, and witchcraft, and oh, it's spiritual, but it's not godly, and we need to stay away from it. Because that's how people become deceived. We say, oh, I can just take a little bit of it. It's okay. It's not a big deal. But it is. Because we're deceived. And that's immature. We've got to grow up. We know that there exists spiritual wickedness in high places. He's always trying to attack. The third thing, the third sign of immaturity, is speaking without love. So many of us, so many of me, <laughs> chomping at the bit to give someone a piece of my mind. I know y'all never felt that way. It's only ever been me. <laughs> I will confess that sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes, you know, you say what you want to say, and then you feel so good about yourself for like five minutes. Maybe I'm the only one. Or it's me and everyone who's watching. Y'all, y'all grow up, all right. But we, we speak our minds. But see, that's not the entirely biblical point there. <laughs> see, because agape, speaking the truth. Yeah, yeah. I'm just telling the truth. Okay, but it says speak the truth in love. And again, it's not phileo where I'm not talking to my best friend and, and, and trying to be nice and kind to them. I have to make a choice of how I speak the truth. And see, we sometimes are like, well, Jesus, he called the, he called the apostles, oh, excuse me, the, the uh, Pharisees, he called the Pharisees vipers and stuff. <laughs> well, you're not Jesus. Um... And you got to ask yourself the reason that you want to speak to people that way. Why do I want to tear that person down? Why do I want to pop off at the mouth at that person? See, Jesus, when he called them a brood of vipers, it's because they were so hard-headed 
and they wouldn't listen. And he was saying, I want you to, he, he didn't want those Pharisees to, to die and go to hell. He wanted them to accept him and know that he was the Messiah. He wanted that for them, but they were so hard-headed. And yes, there are some people, Leneva, if you're watching, there are some people that are so hard-headed, and you have to speak to them a certain way sometimes. Like, you're just not going to listen to me any other way. You've got to listen to me like this, okay? But that's not meaning that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you're not speaking to them in love because the purpose of your speaking to them like that is so they'll just listen. You've got to listen. You're going down the wrong way, and you've got to listen. When, when you're... You know, you, you see your child running across the road and there's a, a car coming. It's not speaking the truth in love doesn't necessarily mean you're using a kind tone of voice. All right, little Johnny, you've got to come back. You, you got to come on. No, there's, there's cars. You don't want to come. No, you come on, come on. No, you yell at them and you tell them to get their rear end back to where they should be, right? Because you love them and you don't want them to get hurt. So I'm not saying that you're, that sometimes when we speak strongly to someone, it doesn't mean we, we don't love them. But I'm saying, y'all know what I'm saying. Those times. <laughs> Those times that you're just like, mm, all right, fine. I'm going to be as smart-alecky and as sarcastic as I can possibly be right now. Because that's not speaking the truth in love. We have to ask, am I, am I saying this because I want this person to hear me and understand and I love them too much to leave them alone, or do I have something to prove? I'm trying to show my superiority and my intelligence and my faultlessness. I'm not trying to point at any one person because I can look in the mirror and say this to myself. Sometimes I can be <coughs> unloving in my way of speaking. check your motivations anything other than love as your motivator is immaturity check your heart that person does not have to get a piece of your mind it's okay and uh, the uh, the writer of Proverbs said you know sometimes if you answer a fool in their folly they're, they're going to think they're wise so if you answer them Sarcastic. They're being dumb. You're answering them sarcastically. They're gonna, they're gonna feel puffed up in themselves. Sometimes it doesn't work. They're still dumb. You gotta pray for those people. I'm just saying to us. I'm saying to us that we gotta grow up. The only way for ministry to go forth. The only way to be built up together is for us to grow up I do I believe that God wants us to grow up grow sounds so much better you know God wants us to grow yes he does but gotta grow up too grow up might be a little more accurate sometimes check your heart for the indicators of immaturity Again, they are comparison, being deceived, and speaking without love. Lord, help us. And again, as I, as, whew, as I was studying and writing this, I'm like, okay, all right, that hurts a little bit. Thank you, Lord. But 
whom the Lord loves, he chastises. And sometimes we need to look in the mirror and say, am I being like Christ? So as we pray today, as the music plays, I, I pray that we would each come to the recognition of the areas that we need to grow. Because some people still, <laughs> some of us may know we need to grow, but we just don't know where, but some of us may still be stuck in, no, I'm good. So if that's where you are, if that's immediately what came to your mind, no, I'm good, probably we need to pray that the Lord chip away some of that and reveal to us places that we, we have areas that are immature and that need growth so that we can all come together in unity. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that you have a plan and a purpose for us. The fact that we are alive means that there's a purpose. And Father, we may not recognize it, we may not see it, or we may not even be on the path to find it, but we understand that it exists. I thank you. Father, I ask now that you would work first in those who may not think they have any room for growth, who think, oh, I'm good, everything's fine. But there are none of us who are entirely perfect. There are none of us who are entirely mature because we're still here. You're still growing us. You're still working on us. And we thank you that you're taking the time to grow us. You're taking the time to develop us. We trust. We trust. We believe that there's a reason for that. And God, I pray that you would go to anyone whose heart is is hardened or is insensitive to the, the places that they need to grow. I just pray now you would begin to, to chip away at anything that would keep them, that would hinder them from seeking after you. Father, I pray for those of us who are immature in the area of comparison. Father, if it's through insecurity, I, I just ask that you would pour on each and every one of us the knowledge of who you have made us to be, that we are precious in your sight, that we are important to you, that we are more than conquerors, that we are the head, not the tail, that we are above and not beneath. God, that you would help us to see ourselves the way that you see us, that we not have to compare ourselves to others and think, oh, I don't measure up, that we wouldn't have to look at other churches, other ministries and say, oh, there's no way we can get that done, but to understand that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And God, I pray for those who are comparing each other to themselves in pride. God, forgive us because that's a dangerous place to be. That we start looking at everyone else and saying, well, at least I'm not that bad. God, forgive us. Forgive us. God, help us to, to recognize our own humanity. God, to see the places that we need forgiveness in our hearts. God, the, to see the places that we are not measuring up to you. Because I will only stand before you, not, not compared beside anyone else, but I will stand before you and you will ask what I have done with what you've given me. Father, I just ask that you would, that you would cleanse away that pride. That's something that so many people, that we can't even see. It's a sin that, that digs down deep, but God, I pray you would root it out this morning. 
that you would take it out of us in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those who are immature in the area of being deceived, that they're not searching after the truth or they can't discern what the truth is. I pray in Jesus' name that you would just reveal to them, that you would bring about a revelation in our hearts and our lives, that we would desire to, to read your word, that we would desire to pray. Father, I pray for a, a renewed excitement about being in your house. I pray that you would tear down any lies of the enemy that are coming into our minds to deceive us. In Jesus' name, we pray you would lift up a standard against the enemy that he would not be able to get in. Protect our minds. In Jesus' name, protect our ears and our eyes of the things that we see and hear that they only be things from you. We pray against deception in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray for all of us who are immature in the area of speaking the truth without love. And God, I ask your forgiveness for myself. God, any time that I'm saying things, that I'm saying them to be impressive or to show off, God, forgive me. God, those times that my motivation is not loving, that my motivation is not to help, but it's to hurt or to wound. God, forgive me. Help me grow up in that area. And for anyone else who struggles with that sort of thing, I pray that you would forgive each of us. God, that we would think before we speak, that, that you would put a guard over our mouths, just like David said in the Psalms, put a guard over my mouth that I not say anything that is displeasing to you, Lord. That I would understand that I don't have anything to prove to anyone. Help me, God. Help each one of us to grow up. God, I believe with all my heart that you're wanting to do something with us. God, I believe that you are laying a foundation. Lord, that you are binding us together with cords of love. God, I, I believe that. I trust that. And we just ask that you would help each and every one of us to grow and to grow up. We thank you, God. We praise you. We thank you for the revival that will occur within our hearts, that you're going to change us. We, we thank you in advance for the growth that we're going to see. We thank you. We praise you. And today, Lord, today, Lord, we say over your people, may Yahweh bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you and may he give you his peace in Jesus' name.